that really quick. Yes, we love this. We love this. And if you want to find out more about Dollar Club, make sure you make your way to our website, to riveridge.tv, and man, go, go just watch some of those stories. I say this all the time. If you need some cheering up or encouragement, just go look at our Dollar Club and see what God's doing uh, through what you're doing to give just an extra dollar a month. It's just an awesome thing to be a part of. Thank you. Uh, for doing that. Thank you for partnering up with what God wants to do through that ministry. Well, I want to say hello to all of you here, everybody who made it here in person and all of you uh, who are watching online, wherever you're watching from. Uh, I'm just glad that we could do this together where we come here, we, we worship God, uh, celebrate Jesus, and that we get to do that so freely together. Glad that you are a part of that today. Uh, and so here's what we got to do. We got to get right to it, everybody. We got a lot of scripture to cover. So go ahead and grab your Bibles. I hope you brought them. We said to bring them. So bring your Bible, get them out there, open them up to Romans chapter one, Romans chapter one. Uh, and as you're doing that, if you're new or visiting, we are in week number two uh, of a series where we're looking at the book of Romans. We're gonna be in this for a while. For, for 11 weeks, we're looking into this great letter. And so last week, Chad kicked us off by going into chapter one and basically giving us the, the who, what, when, where, and why uh, of Romans and why it's there, what was going on with God's people and the church and Rome and Paul and, and why we need to be looking looking at it ourselves as a church. So if you missed that, make sure you grab that. I think it'll help you a lot in how we're starting and what we're doing and where we're going. You can download that on your po- our podcast and website and all that technology stuff. You can find it somewhere. All right, so let's get to it. We're gonna start where we left off last week. This is where Chad left off. We're gonna be in Romans 1, 17, and here's where we left off. And it says this, it says, for in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. And so that sounds pretty good, right? God's righteousness being shown to us. That's, that's really good stuff. Uh, and so let's go to the next verse and see what we're gonna do uh, today, all right? So here's the next verse, verse 18. It says, the wrath of God, that's not a good start. Uh, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their own wickedness since what may be known to them about God is plain to them. That does not sound good at all, everybody. I uh, hope you're awake for this message today because that's what we're gonna be talking about. It went from rainbows and butterflies to wickedness and wrath real quick. Uh, and so if this is your first time here, uh, come back next week. Good stuff next week, all right? This week, not so much. Not so much this week. That's what we're gonna be talking about. So here's the deal. Here's what we're gonna do. Uh, this is kind of over the next two weeks kind of thing. And what we're gonna look at is kind of a good news, bad news uh, thing or bad news, good news uh, kind of deal. And uh, I think uh, what we need to understand is that like, uh, I th- that we gotta look at bad. We all want the bad news first anyways, right? Normally, we kind of want the bad news first. And so that's what we're gonna do today. And, and so we need to do this. We need to look at some bad news today is because sometimes uh, we kind of like to look past the bad news if we can, uh, but if we do that, we're going to miss what the good news is all about. So we got to do that today. Uh, and, And I think it's okay because I think in life, there's a lot of good news, bad news stuff that we experience, right? I'm kind of going through that right now. Our family is going through some good news, bad news uh, right now. We got a puppy. We just recently got a puppy. Yeah, there he is. I know he's really cute, isn't he? That's the good news. All right. Because the bad news about this cute, adorable puppy is that he's a puppy, all right? And uh, so I don't know if you knew this, but the bad news is you can't sleep all night long with a puppy 
You can try, but I mean, at 3 a.m., he wants to let you know that he misses you real bad, real bad. And our puppy somehow, in one noise, can sort of conjure up a pack of wolves, uh, a moose call, and a hundred rabbits dying a slow death at the same time. It's unbelievable. So you can't sleep. And, and I mean, you can't look off a puppy one bit. You can't like glance anywhere else. You know why? Uh, because puppies have a mechanism in them that once you look off, the, the mechanism says pee. Uh, and so you'll, you can't like leave your glance at them at all. That, so that's the bad news. That's the bad news. But here's the good news. The good news is that, that he's cute and he is a good dog and I can't wait till he's two. Uh, but that's like where we're at right now. So, so here's where we're at with, with where we're at in the, the book of Romans. So last week, uh, we looked at some good news. We actually looked at the gospel uh, and the gospel is good news. It's the good news that God has overcome sin and death and he offers us peace and forgiveness to anyone who wants it. And, and so here's the biggest point that we need to know uh, coming into this week about the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's this, is that of all the things in the world that you can actually, that are available to you to consume or try or work on or wish for or hope in, that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the only thing that will give you what you need and that can actually save you and save your life. And so it goes into this question that we wanna look at today, though, a couple questions we had today, but the question becomes then, well, why is the gospel uh, the only thing that can save me? Uh, but more importantly, like, why do I need saved? Why, why, why do I need saved? And so to get the answer to that, here's what we need to do today. We need to explore the problem. Uh, and the problem that we have uh, is, is that we have some um, bad news. It's a big problem with bad news. And then next week, we're gonna look at the solution to that problem, okay? Spoiler alert, it's Jesus, all right? You don't even have to read past what we're doing today. It's Jesus is the answer. But here's the thing, gang. What gets us to Jesus is what many of us, I don't think, ponder enough or really even want to think about much because here's why. Because it actually deals with you looking into your life in a real honest way uh, and, and it's got some bad news attached to it. We don't really like doing that. We don't like doing that, looking into our lives with, a, with an honest uh, a way, in an honest way. So I'm hoping that we get there today a little bit because what we're gonna be looking at over the next two weeks is this. It's really important. What does it take to get to heaven? That's what we're looking at. What does it take? When the time comes and you get there and the door is closed, like what does it take for the door to open for us, for you, for me to get into heaven, all right? And so with that, I'm gonna ask a question and I need audience participation. It's a yes, no response. That's all you gotta do, but you have to participate. Don't leave me hanging, all right? Uh, and it's all you gotta do is yell out yes or no. And here's the thing, it's an easy question and I'm sure that you have the answer. So I'm gonna ask the question, then count to three and I want you to yell yes or no, you got it? It, ask a question, count to three, yes or no. Here's the question. Can you get to heaven by being good? One, two, three. Yes. Oh, you're wrong. You're all absolutely wrong. And I'm gonna show you that this is a true statement that what I just said, you can. Look, it's right here in Romans. I'm gonna read it verbatim, chapter two, verse six. Here's what it says. God will give to each person according to what he has done. Now listen to this, to those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. So there you go. You were wrong if you said no. So here's what it is. He says that you can be good enough to get to heaven. That's a path. It's right there, it's clear. But here's what you can't do, everybody. What you can't do is you can't look past this little word, persistence. 
Because here's what persistence means. This is all that it means. I wrote down the definition. Persistence simply means constantly or tenaciously doing good despite any difficulties, never ceasing with zero exception to doing good and your motive is always pure and your actions are always true. No hiccups ever in doing good. Easy peasy, right? Like that. So you can't, here's the point. Here's the point. You can get to heaven by being good. But before you leave or call me a heretic, all right, here's what Paul is actually getting at. We're gonna break down today this fact is that it's impossible though for you to be that good. It's impossible. So I think Paul is kind of being funny here. He's, he's being sarcastic here. And so, so here's what I need to do today. I need to convince you of something that's not very nice, all right? I need to convince you that you're bad. Not, actually, not just bad. I need to actually convince you that you are deplorable, uh, that you are unacceptable, and that you are immoral. I know. Like I woke up this morning and I was like, I can't wait to deliver this message. Uh, welcome to River Ridge where we talk about how bad you really are, but that's what we gotta do. And I need to do that, gang, because here's our problem. Our problem is that in one way or another, we actually kind of believe we're good. We all kind of believe that we're, I mean, I'm not that bad, right? I don't do, I do more good things than bad things. I'm not really that bad of a person. I'm not perfect, but I'm not that bad. And here's the thing, gang, this is a huge problem when it comes to us and God, because here's where we're going in Romans over the next couple of chapters. We're going over this section called the condemnation of man. That's what this section of Romans is called. And so condemnation is actually one of those churchy words. And so I put a little definition in here so that we understand what this means. Uh, here's what it means, because this is where all of us are. Here's what condemnation is. Condemnation is this. It's the judgment which results in a guilty verdict and then the sentence, there's an execution of the sentence of that guilty verdict. That's what condemnation means. So, so really it's stating that someone is guilty uh, of a crime and you need to be punished for it. And here's the thing, gang. This is where all of us stand with God without uh, something to help us. Condemned. That you're good. No matter what you wanna look at, no matter how good you think you are, it's not close to the standard. In fact, it's way, way off. And this is bad news because if that's true, then we're all in a bad spot with God. All of us are kind of in a bad spot. So, so here's where we're gonna go today. Here's what I hope that we get to today. Uh, in order for us to really find out how beautiful salvation is, we gotta find out how lost we really are. That's what we're gonna do today. And so what Paul's gonna do uh, from about the end of chapter one all the way to uh, the end of chapter three, that's what we're gonna be covering today. Uh, he's gonna lay out for us three groups of people, three groups of people. And as we go through these, I hope that you see uh, the argument that we're all somewhere in here, that all of us are in there somewhere because uh, what Paul is actually describing is he's describing all of humanity uh, with these three groups of people. And he's gonna talk about sin, he's gonna talk about religion, and he's even gonna talk about uh, being good and how all of them get, to, get us to the same place, guilty. That's what we're gonna do today. And so if you're taking notes, I hope you are. Uh, grab those, get those out, write some things down. Here's the first group of people that we're gonna look at and it's the rejectors. It's the rejectors. So we already saw in verse 18 that, that God's wrath goes towards the godless and, and the wicked, but it actually also goes after those who suppress the truth. Uh, these are the rejectors. So, so here's what it says in verse 20 about the rejectors. He says, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. If you have your Bibles right there and you underline or circle, I would underline or circle without excuse. Because here's what he's saying. I want you to circle that because the first description that we have with the rejectors is that God is known to them. 
that they know who he is, that they, they have an opportunity to see him. They recognize God. And so uh, uh, we're gonna see what they do with that knowledge. Here's what they do in the next verse, verse 21. It says, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. And so uh, if you're taking notes, we're gonna look at three things. I don't have them in there, but we're gonna look at three things rejectors do. Uh, and here's the first thing that they do. Uh, they recognize God, but they ignore him. They recognize God, but they ignore him. And so I think the first thing is you're writing that down. The first thing we need to see is this really important for you to understand. A lot of us ask this question. Here's the th first thing that Paul's saying is that all people have an idea that there is a God. Did you know that? Every person that's ever existed has an idea that there is a God. So you don't need a Bible in front of you and you don't even need a church experience to actually come to the conclusion that there is a creator, there is a uh, power higher than us, that there is something that made all of this. But here's what rejectors do. The, what they do is they rationalize, they rationalize their way out of believing that there is a God who created the whole world. That's what some people do, right? Some people uh, would rather believe that all this happened by accident or all this happened uh, by accident than give glory to God. And uh, really, I don't have time to get into the philosophy of all of the arguments there. A, I'm not smart enough and B, I don't have time. Uh, but here's what I believe, just thinking through this in my own life. I seriously believe this. I actually believe that it's more logical to believe in something instead of nothing. I just think it's more logical to believe in something because nothingness can't just explode into something. There had to have been a source. There had to have been something that started to get that something going. And, and here's what I wanna say just real quick. Even the heavy hitters of the no God theory admit this is a problem in their theories. They, they admit this is a problem. Uh, Richard Dawkins, he's one of the most famous atheists. He's written books about it uh, of the no God theory. And here's what he says in one of his books. He says, Darwin's theory works for biology, but not for cosmology, which is the study of origins. Uh, he says, cosmology is waiting on its Darwin. And so he's admitting, here's what he's saying. Uh, he's saying evolution can have a theory uh, to go on, uh, but our ultimate origin still has no explanation of where the materials came from to produce life itself. That's what he's even admitting. Uh, and so there's no account, there's no account to even have a theory on something from nothing. Except God, just saying, except God, all right? That's, that's where it works. I read the other day uh, this, uh, that we're scientists, they actually said the odds, listen to this, the odds of the earth happening just by circumstance or by chance is the same odds of flipping a coin every second for 10 billion years and it landed on head every time. Come on, man. But, but here's, here's what rejectors do. They, they just, they rationalize their way out of believing God. Reading on in verse 23, so it says, then they exchange the glory, this is what they do as a result, they exchange the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. So here's the second thing that the rejectors do if you're writing these down. The second thing is they just replace God, that they replace God. So they recognize God, they, they reason with that, they rationalize their way in a sense, and then what they do is they end up just replacing God. Listen, gang, we all worship something. Don't believe you don't worship it, nothing. We all worship something, they just replace God with something else. Now, uh, people today, I don't, I don't think that they uh, put bird altars up or anything like that. Maybe some do, I don't know, but I don't think most of us do that. But here's what uh, rejectors do today mostly. What we do is we put an idol, uh, we put an idol in God's place, but the idol is just man. Like we put people in God's place. We've actually put ourselves in God's place. And, and, and here's what I was thinking. So the most basic idea, the most basic idea of creation is that we were actually made uh, to actually uh, serve God. We were here, we were put on this place to serve God. But what rejectors do is, is we replace that with I want God and his creation to serve me and my needs instead of me serving God. Uh, I want him to serve me. And so then God, here's the scariest thing in the whole Bible for me is verse 24. Here's what it says, because he says, okay, it says, therefore, God gave them over 
He just said, if that's what you wanna do, in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and they worshiped and served created things rather than the creator. And that's the scariest thing I, I, I read in the Bible. He just let them be. He just said, if that's what you wanna do, then, then go ahead and do that. And they continue worshiping this lie. Uh, and so what they reject is this. They reject uh, that God puts boundaries in place for our protection uh, and for our benefit. And the lie that they believe is that the best thing for me is total freedom. And the worst thing for me is actually live by any boundaries, including what God wants me to do. Because if it feels good, do it. Uh, I don't need God, I just need me. And what I feel is good is good enough. And, and so what Paul starts to lay out in the next verses, I think verses 26 to 31 or so, is he starts to lay out what happens as a result of that. Like where these people go. And it's a laundry list of problems that happen as a result of the rejection of God. They do what they want. They follow their feelings and desires, no boundaries. And Paul says this, they get filled with bad things as a result of it. I'm gonna list some. They're filled with greed, envy, murder, malice. And then he says, some follow their passion for people rather than follow God. So they reject God's natural design of intimacy between a man and a woman being reserved for that. Some, some are gossips, some are slanderers, God haters. They disobey parents. They're senseless, heartless, faithless. And, the, and what's the result? Here's the result, verse 32. It says, of all, although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they know it. They, they not only continue to do these very things, but they also approve of those who practice them. And so here's the third thing that rejectors do. They, they just end up rejoicing in and celebrating sin. So, so they do what they want and, they, and, and here's, here's what they do. They look around and they see others doing it and that nobody really says anything and they say, this is freedom. This is living. This is it, man. I do what I want and, and how I feel and, and surely God's okay with it because I'm okay with it. They seem to be okay with it. It's not hurting anyone. And so why would it hurt God? Why wouldn't God be okay with this? And I thought about this and here's a question that I, that I thought about. Why, why do so many people accept so many bad things and say it's good? That's just, why do so many people just accept bad things and say it's good? Well, it's in verse 32. It's because eventually people just start approving of it uh, and that's when sin is most dangerous. That's when sin is most difficult to deal with when it's approved by others is okay without a higher authority saying anything at all or being present in these decisions. That's, that's what happens. So these are the rejectors. This is the first group of people and the rejectors deserve death. How you doing there? Did you pass the first group? All right, did you pass? Some of you think you did, but let me ask you. Have you ever gossiped? Yeah. You ever been greedy ever in your life? You ever been envious of something that somebody else? Have you ever talked bad about somebody in your brain or to somebody else? Have you ever disobeyed your parents? All right, if you think you're good, let's go to the second group. Second group, here we go, if you pass that. The second group is the self-reliant, the self-reliant. So I like to call this group the Nabas. Not as bad as, right? The nab is not as bad. I'm good. I mean, I'm all right because I'm not as bad as Jeff, my neighbor. Like, that's what it is. I'm a nab. I'm not as bad as him. Uh, this is an interesting group to me, the self-reliant or the nab is because you can either be a churchgoer or totally have nothing to do with church. You, you, you could be in the same camp there. Uh, so this is what it says about them. We're gonna be in chapter two if you're following along. Verse one about the nabs. He says, you, therefore, you nabba, have no excuse you who pass judgment on someone else for at whatever point you judge the other, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. And so 
the self-reliant, just like uh, the rejectors do a few things, and if you're writing these down, here's the first thing that the self-reliant do, and it's this, is they, they prematurely congratulate themselves for being better than. That's what this is saying. But they congratulate themselves for being better than. So you're good enough in your own mind to believe that you have the ability to judge somebody else. Like that's what it is. Like you just, whatever is in you, you just believe you can look at everybody else and be like, all right, I'm gonna just, just, just start choo-choo-choo-choo, right? Like just, just nailing those down uh, because you're better th- than your neighbor, Jeff, right? You're better than him. You, you ha- and you get a sense of pride. It's weird, but you get a sense of pride of being more intelligent, more progressed than Jeff. And so you feel better uh, about yourself. And so Paul continues this uh, in verse three. So here's what he says in verse three. He says, so when you, a mere man. So I would circle or underline a mere man. He's reminding you of something about who you are. You, a mere man, pass judgment on them and yet do you do the same things. Do you think that you will escape God's judgment? And so Paul's reminding us that we're all in the same boat by being a mere man. Because here's the second thing that, that the self-reliant do is that they confuse being good with being good enough. They, they, they confuse being good with being good enough. And so uh, the Nabas, the Nabas are so, you're gonna find yourself saying Nabas sometime today, it's gonna be great. Uh, but the Nabas uh, are so busy saying uh, that they're not as bad as Jeff that they don't actually see that they have the same problem of sin. That they believe they're good enough based on, listen, they believe they're good enough based on Jeff and not God. And so therefore what they conclude is I don't really need help from God at all. I don't need much help because I'm looking at Jeff uh, and not God. And so if you've ever wondered if you've been there, if you've ever wondered if you've sort of done that in your life, I got a test. Here's, Here's my test for you. Have you ever found yourself with somebody else's sin or, or dirt or whatever, their mess ups, have you ever found yourself with them uh, and, and it makes you mad because you see it? Like, how dare they do that? Especially spiritually, like, oh, how did, or does it make you sad for them? You're just like, oh man, wow, I can't believe they're doing that. Just really think about that. What's your reaction when you see somebody else messing up with guys? Like, oh, you know, or is it like, oh man, it makes me sad. Deep down, uh, does pointing it out or talking about it, does it give you a sense of pride in yourself or does it give you a sense of compassion for them? Really think about that because that's what happens. One of the things I've learned uh, about being a pastor from being a pastor over the last 11 years is I've learned a lot of awesome things, like beautiful things about you uh, and about me. But one of the things I've learned, unfortunately, is that we're really good at pointing out somebody's mess ups and really good with, we have this go get them mentality. It's really strange. Like it's really strange what I hear from a lot of folks. We have this go get them mentality because most of the time it's, it's really not about empathy or compassion for other person. It's about us feeling better about our own mess ups and our own dirt. It's crazy. It happens all the time. This is, where, this is where the Nabas go because it justifies them. It justifies them even though deep down you know you're just as messed up. You're just as messed up. So for the self-reliant, uh, it's, it's, it's more about not being as bad as Jeff, okay? And I'm sorry if your name is Jeff, all right? Uh, Jeff, I see you. I'm sorry, Jeff. Uh, don't give Jeff a hard time today. I'll change the name in the second service. I'll use Jeffrey or something. All right, so here's the fate. Here's their fate in verse five. But because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, again, because you're not looking at God, you're looking at somebody else, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. So here it is for for the self-reliant. When it comes to getting to heaven, your good is not what God looks at. Your good is not what God looks at. Uh, The self-reliant can't hide. You can't hide by trying to be good or being better than. The bad news is still present in your life. It will come out and here's your fate. You still need help. You still need help. And the rejectors are like, in your face. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like the rejectors are like, yeah, you get them, Andy. All right, here's the third group. If you've passed the test so far, it's the religious. Ooh, we're in church. That's a lot of you, right? It's the religious. 
because you're doing what Paul's about to say you're, they do, okay? Uh, so, he, so this is the churchgoer. This is a churchgoer. This is a, you're following what you should do. You're doing what you should be doing. And Paul here, uh, he's actually addressing the Jew uh, or the people who have the law, who know the law, uh, the church person. And so let's take a look at this. This is verse 17 for the religion. He says, now you, if you call yourself a Jew, if you rely on the law and brag about your relationship to God, if you're underlining and circling, I would circle rely on or whatever your translation says. I would circle uh, rely on because here's what he's saying. Again, the religious go through a few things uh, too. And here's the first thing that the religious actually believe. They actually think that belief in God saves me. That's what the first problem with the religious people. So Paul in here, uh, he says, hey, you call yourself a Jew. And, and they were proud of their nationality. They, they were proud to be Jews. And, and here's the thing, Paul wasn't saying there's anything wrong with that. There's nothing wrong uh, with having this position. But the problem is, is when you think that's what gets you to God, is just based on your nationality. And, and here's the thing, gang, I thought this happens today. Like this same thing uh, happens today. I think people identify with a religion based on their nationality. And I think it happens here. Like, I, I love America. Like, I, I love America. I, I have pride uh, in being American. I think America is great. Uh, and here's the thing that you need to know. Um, uh, Christianity is actually still the predominant religion in, in, in America. Did you know that? Actually, I looked this up, just the last census that we had. You can find the numbers in the 2020 census. Here, this might surprise some of you, but in the 2020 census, 70% of people still identify as Christian in the United States. 70%. Um, but this also causes problems. This causes problems with the gospel because we think, well, I'm an American, so I believe in Christianity. I'm an American, so I believe in Christianity. So here's the thing, gang. It is possible to believe in Christianity, but not trust in Christ for salvation. It's absolutely possible and it happens all the time because your nationality does not determine your identity in Christ. And so that's the first thing that, that the religious do is they believe uh, the belief in God saves you. Here's the second thing that they think. They actually also think, oh, this is what, wait, is that right? The second thing that they believe, oh yeah, this is what James says. So you saw that you have faith for you believe that there is one God. He says, good for you. Good for you, you believe in God. So the demons. So the demons, they're, I don't think they're in heaven last time I checked, okay? So he's saying that. Uh, so here's the second thing that they do or that they think. They actually think that knowing the Bible saves me. So they not only think belief in God saves me, but also knowing the Bible saves me. So they, like most of us in here, hopefully have a Bible. You have a Bible. If you brought it, hopefully you did. But if not, you have one, you have access to that. And so they have the word. They know God's word and they know the law. And what Paul talks about over the next several verses is he starts listing out the 10 commandments. And he's like, okay, so here they are. Here's the law. I'm just gonna give you 10 of them. Uh, and he's like, so, uh, and he says, hey, you wanna have the law? You wanna talk about it? You wanna say that you live by it? Do you really? Like that's what he's saying. Do, do, is, that, is that what you're really gonna rely on to get you good with God? You better check up on how you do compared uh, to what this says. And so here's how he says it uh, in a couple verses that follow this. In verse 21, he says, so you who teach others, uh, do you not teach yourself? And, and that's me, you know what I mean? Like I'm up here and, and I'm, I'm, I have the privilege and, uh, and, and ability to teach you just based on what God wants me to do. And I, but I'm not teaching you stuff a lot of times that I don't need to hear myself, right? So I'm guilty, I'm guilty. I'm not teaching us something that, that, that I'm perfect in. Uh, and then verse 23 says, well, you who brag about the law, do you uh, dishonor God by breaking the law? Who here knows the speed limit of Tays Valley Road? Yell it out. 45 or 35, depending on where you're at, right? So is that the, the law or is that a suggestion put forward by the police department? 
Trust me, it's a law, everybody, all right? You have to trust me on this. Don't test that out, all right? Uh, we have laws, right? We, we all have laws. Law is law. We break them and we just go about our day. But when you break the law, you're guilty. That's what he's saying. You're guilty. We who break laws are guilty. So that's the second thing that we think. And here's the third thing that the religious think is they think religious activity saves me. It's dangerous stuff for religion. So in the next verses after that, in verses 25 to 29, uh, Paul talks about circumcision. I've talked about circumcision way too much from up here. I'm gonna tell you that right now. I don't know why I always find myself talking about circumcision, but I'm not gonna do it, okay? You can look it up yourself. But what he's talking about, what he's talking about, kids, just ask your parents. But what he's talking about is he's like, hey, you're circumcised on the outside, but that has nothing to do with God's righteousness and getting it. That's what he, it has nothing to do with that. So for us, like you grew up in church, great, but you don't inherit your parents' faith. That's, that's not how it works. Like there's, there's no king's mark on you because you grew up in church. There's no special circumstance that bypasses you from God's judgment. You need help. You're guilty. You're guilty. And so these are the three groups. These are the three groups of people and all of them fail the standard. They all fall behind the standard set by God. And the inevitable conclusion is that we don't meet the standard. We're guilty. But wait, there's more. Uh, so maybe you're like, I don't know, I think I'm good. Okay, well, there's one more group that we miss and it's this, the rest of us. It's the rest of us. So flip to chapter three really quick, if you got your Bibles. Flip to chapter three, we're gonna go back to chapter three. Flip to chapter three, I wanna look this up really quick in verse nine. We're gonna go to three quick spots for us to find this out. So verse nine in chapter three. Uh, so if you think that you, you're doing good so far, uh, uh, you know, just, just wait for a second. Here's what he says in verse nine. He says, okay, so then what shall we conclude then? We've looked at all these people. Are we any better? Not at all. We have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under sin. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. If you're in your Bible, circle no one. Circle no one. We're gonna skip ahead to verse 12. Here's what he says in verse 12. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Again, circle no one. This is so important to understand. And let's go down to verse 20. And here's what he says in verse 20. Therefore, again, no one, circle no one, will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. And so here's what he's saying. Here's what he's saying to you. Here's what he's saying to me. Here's what he's saying to everybody. We cannot be made right on our own. And we cannot be made right by following the law and following religious activity or observing a law. We just can't. Going to church, uh, showing up here every time, uh, tithing, reading your Bible, self-sacrifice, all good stuff, all good things, all things that Christians should do, but it's not enough on its own to get you right with God to be declared righteous because we all still have sin. And it's, it's evident in our lives. You could try to suppress it all you want, but it's evident in our lives that all of us have it and God can't let that into heaven. He just can't. And so here's the consequence that we go. Let's go back to chapter two, one more place, verse eight. Here's what he says. So for those who are self-seeking, those who reject the truth and those who are follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. This is our fate. This is the condemnation that we all face. And here's where I wanna go as we uh, get ready to conclude this morning. Like it, it, some people do this and, and I just wanna help you here a little bit. If you, if you can get through all of what we just got through and if you could still get to this point and think, man, I mean, in the long run, like God will let me in. 
Like, God, I mean, it's not that bad. I'm not that. These are empty threats. And I mean, God will let me in. And, and, and you know, because God is love. And in the end, I'll be okay. It's all about love. And he's too loving to punish, right? Like he'll look past this stuff. He's got to. And here's what I'm gonna tell you. If you go there, even if you just have this faint thought that this is what it does, if you believe this and you're believing something that the Bible does not say, you're believing that God doesn't do what he says he'll do. Gang, he has to punish sin. He's a just God and he cannot deal with it any other way. He has to do it. He can't overlook it. And I think people wonder, yeah, I don't know. Like, I think people wonder like, well, why does God have to be so mad at sin? If all of us have it, right? We're all in the same, but why does he have to be so mad at it? Why can't he just, like, we're all there. Why does he have to get so angry? What's the deal with the wrath thing? Like, why does he have to punish it like this? And here's my first shot, my shot at this. My first shot at this is, is this. If, uh, if God didn't get angry with anything, I don't think he has love. I don't think that he's a loving God if he doesn't get angry at anything. Like I just, that's just where I land because whether you believe it or not, whether you believe it or not, sin destroys things. It destroys things you love. It destroys things that, that, that he loves. And, and so it, just, it damages things. It damages this world. It, it damages our lives. It creates distortion of this life. And so if God didn't get angry at things being wrecked and wars and just turmoil and violence and hatred, then he really isn't a God worth worshiping. Is he everybody? So that's just my first shot at it. That's why that that's there. And so let's go back to the question that we started with. Do good people get to heaven? And the answer that God gives us is nah. Why? Because there's no good people. Not when it comes to God and his standards. Not when it comes to how holy and amazing he is. And so here it is. This is where we all stand. Last note. This is where we are. This is where we're left. And we gotta come back next week for the good news. But here it is. No one is good. No one is excused. So all I need is need. And all I bring to the table for God, you gotta get this in your heart, is nothing. There's nothing I could bring to the table. This is the bad news. This is where we all are. Now, before you click your books, I wanna end with good news, all right? Actually, there's no clicking. Here's the good news. I wanna end with something good. God figured out a way for all of us though. Even with that bad news that are attached to us, he's got some good news because all of us can still get to heaven. That's the good news. And here's what I always want us to walk away with today. You will never fully appreciate the good news until you understand where you came from. And so today, today isn't showing you why they need the gospel and they need Jesus. It's meant to show you why you need the gospel and why I need Jesus, okay? And so I want you to know there is a way out of this. There is a way out of this and, and it's through Jesus Christ. And we're gonna spend next week talking about that, but I'm gonna tell you right now, uh, that the purpose of the gospel today is this, is that we can't get there without help. And God gave us that help through the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross and what he did for us. This is the message of grace. Uh, and this is what we're gonna talk about next week. And so if this is your first time here, or maybe this is your first time hearing the, the good news of the gospel and, and kind of coming through it from the bad news about us, um, but that's what makes the gift of forgiveness and God's mercy and salvation so amazing to people who call themselves Christians. And so I hope you see it. I hope you take it in and, and that you see this in your own life uh, and that you have the path of help and it's the path of Jesus and the path of heaven. And I hope you come next week because we're gonna describe some of the things that happen to people who receive this free gift of salvation that God gives us through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Will you come back next week? Yes? I promise it'll be good news, all right? Let's pray. God, uh, 
It is never easy or never comfortable to hear bad news about ourselves. It's hard to look at ourselves in a negative light, but you do this because of the good news that you have for us, that that there is an ending here that we can all uh, get on board with, and that is through the work that you've done for us through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we can face the bad news. We can face the bad news. For those of us who already know the good news, I pray that we can just ponder this a little bit in our lives that even though we're on the other side of it, that we can actually allow this to, to bring a more, more depth into the salvation that we have, more, more just depth into the mercy and love and forgiveness that you provide us and that we could be so secure in it, that we could be uh, just so just grasped by how much you love us and, and what you've done for us and that we bring nothing to the table for that, God. So, and for those of us who are hanging on there, Maybe we don't know that, that we've had that yet or that we haven't experienced that yet. First, I pray that, Holy Spirit, you do something in them right now with the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that this is where we all are. This is where we start. And we don't have to wait till next week to hear that good news is that salvation is offered to anyone who wants to place their faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins, that they could turn from their life of just saying, uh, I'm gonna reject God, but they could turn to you in your ways right now. And through a prayer of just saying, God, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. I I want your forgiveness. Come in and make my life new. And I believe in Jesus that we can be made right with you. I pray that people make that decision today. So we love you, God. We thank you for that solution that you give us. And until next week, uh, I pray that we can hang on to this and think about it a little bit. We pray for this in Jesus' awesome name. Amen, amen. Hey, listen, if you are there and if you're someone who... It's kind of working on this, wrestling with it. Come talk to one of us, Chad, me, Blair, uh, Benji, whoever you want. We'd love to talk to you more about this and also come back next week. Have a great Sunday uh, and we'll see you next time, everybody, okay?